All right. Well, welcome again to the vine. How was worship this morning? What you think? Hey, we had some good stuff, right? Okay, I know it was better than that. Come on. There were thunderous applause. One more time. Let's give it up for our vine worship team. It was a great. There we go. That's better. That's better. Y'all act like I sang or something on that first one. I know better. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Well, thank you for hanging out with us wherever you are uh, around the world, wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching. We're thankful you are here. Uh, And believe it or not, we have folks who listen and watch around the world today. And so I just want to say today, wherever you are, take a second as we get ready to dive into the best summer ever, excuse me, and continue to learn living life to the fullest. If you haven't yet, go ahead and download our Vine app. Uh, go to the vine.tv slash app. You can download that today. It's going to ask you for your telephone number. The reason I'm, I'm telling you to do that today is here at the Vine, one of the ways we believe that we can live life to the fullest is to, to do life together the best way we know how. And in this world where physical distancing happens even more, and it seems like it might be even greater on the horizon, it's great to have a way for all of us connect in one place. And on our Vine Church app, what you can do is you can learn about our church, Uh, But also, we have this thing called a prayer wall. We believe in the power of prayer, and uh, we would love to partner in prayer with you today. So make sure you download that, and also, you can follow along on all the notes, take your own notes, all the scripture we're going to walk through today, all that crazy good stuff as we continue into best summer ever. And today, we're going to talk about do everything, do everything. So let me ask you, parents, right now, school is starting up. How many of us feel like we have to do everything? Like, don't you just feel like everything is happening? Everything is happening, and yet nothing is happening at the same time. It feels like, like, do everything. And so as Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian church, when we spend our time together today, that's what we're going to talk about is how in the world do we do everything? Last week, we talked about purpose. We were in Philippians 2, uh, and, and verse 13 is where we ended up. We're going to start there this week. But if you remember, as we were walking through purpose, we talked about how do we do that. And we did that with a little growth capsule. If you don't remember, it was really fun, the little sponge capsule. If you ever grew up with those, you had this little bathtub tool, had a little gelatin capsule on the outside, and it grew to be all that it was created to be. And we talked about how we walk in obedience to the Lord and fear and, 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 and work it out with fear and trembling, or in other words, walk in reverent all to him. So today we're going to continue in that as we talk about do everything. So here, when it comes to following Jesus, here's the thing. On one hand, following Jesus costs you absolutely nothing. And that's God's unmerited favor and grace upon us. All we have to do is believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Uh, He came, he lived the perfect sinless life we could never live. He died the death paying the penalty for our sin on the cross. And he rose again on the third day so that we could have life and live it to the full as we're talking about here in our best summer ever series. And you receive that by faith. But see, on one, one hand, you got the grace of God. It cost you nothing to follow Jesus. On the other hand, it cost you everything call that discipleship. And what I mean by that is picking up your cross daily and counting the cost. And see, see, sometimes, we talked about this last week, the grace of God is, without the grace of God, we can't have salvation. That's not where it stops. We get to continue to do everything and live it out in this thing called discipleship. So if you got your Bible today, we're going to hang out for just a little bit in Philippians 2, verse 13 and 14. You know it takes me a long time to get through these things. So verse 13 and 14 is where we're going to be, and we're going to talk about doing everything, and we're going to end on talking about the will of God for just a little bit, and then we're going to go about and have an amazing day. So if you got your Bible today, let's go ahead and get to Philippians 2 and start in verse 13. 
And then we're going to go, uh, go to verse 14, hang out in Mark 10 for just a small little second, and then we'll come back. So Philippians 2, verse 13 says this, picking up where we were last week. For it is who? God. For it is God who works in you. So as we're doing things and we're doing work, who is it that's working in us? Okay, one more time. When we're doing things and we're following God, who is it that's working in us? What does it say? For it is God. Okay, good times. We got this. We got some audience participation today. It's going to be, it is God. How countercultural is that? In the world we live in, what does the world tell us we have to do to do work to save ourselves? We go deep inside of ourselves and we pull ourselves out and we save ourselves. And if we can just go, sorry, Tony Robbins, I'm just, is what it is. But if we could just go inside of ourselves, we can save ourselves. And my question is, could that growth capsule save itself last week? No matter how much that, that thing, that growth capsule grew, we're going to have another one here in a second. I should have threw another one up here, but Long story short, it's a bath toy, and once the gelatin capsule comes off, it grows into this sponge. I don't know if you remember those things. I remember them being bigger when I was little, but anyway, the, the sponge, what happens is the air sucked out of it. It's put in a gelatin capsule. The water hits it. Whoo, it grows up. It's really good times. It's kind of like, uh, like a hair in rain. You know, whoo, it just goes crazy, right? So wherever it is, this growth capsule inside of there, it took something outside of that growth capsule to make that sponge grow. So in other words, what I'm saying and what we got to remember here is it's going to take something outside of us to save us. It's going to take something outside of us to actually work in and through us. No matter how hard we try to save ourselves, no matter how hard that sponge pushed against that jail capsule, no matter how much that sponge believed it had the answers, it was going to find the way and it was going to push out and just break out, it still took that water coming in contact with it to change it. You see, Jesus teaches us that he's the only one that saves because he is. Paul goes on to write in verse 13. So why does God work in us? To will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. To will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. We talked about his purpose last week. His good purpose is that his glory is known to the ends of the earth. That, that all of us know who Jesus is. That all of us can be in right relationship with him. So that we can share who Jesus is. That the gospel gets to the ends of the earth. His name gets to the ends of the earth. So that we can be exactly who he created us to be. So that's the good purpose we get to fulfill. So here's where I want to be for many of us today. If you are in Christ Jesus. Did you know that you can be working for God and not be in the will of God? And that's where we can get stuck. And that's forced obedience. That is guilt. That is shame. Here, here's an example. Because I would be guilted and shamed and you would go ahead and throw tomatoes at me if it happened. I just said it a second ago as we started off. If I came up here and tried to lead worship like our Vine worship team, man, I'm telling you my heart would be in the right place. My posture would be in the right place. I would have my hands open, going high, but the sound that comes out of my mouth ain't going to be joyful. I'm going to tell you right now, you will shut it all down. You will be ready to go on. In other words, I can be working hard to do the work of God. But that's not the will of God for my life. And when I'm not living in the will of God, then there's no way I can effectively do the work of God. Maybe that doesn't work. So our Vine Kids, if you expected me to lead our Vine Kids every week, holy cannoli. I'm going to tell you right now, bless your heart, parents. Because uh, here's what they would learn. 
sugar is a good thing, uh, and, and it would be going crazy, bouncing off the walls. I'm thankful for our Vine kids. If you had me with, with, with our teens all the time, or if you had me in college ministry all the time, I could do the good work. I could sprint there. I can try to do God's work, but that's not God's will for my life. I can't do it long range. So here's what I'm saying. Maybe right now, if you're stuck in trying to figure out what God wants for you, maybe you're trying to do the work of God, but you're not doing the will of God. And today, that's maybe what he's trying to teach you. In order to fulfill his good purpose, you've got to be doing his will so that you can do his good work. And sometimes we get stuck in that. And that's the thing, the reason that we do many times is, um, honestly, I'm just going to be real with you. This kind of in a culture we live in. Um, Guilt and shame makes it all about me. It makes me the victim It makes me the problem, and it says somebody else owes me something. And the problem is we will look at God and say, because I'm working for you, you owe me something. Instead of of receiving the gift of salvation that God has already done, the work that's already been done and working from that, we say, God, I'm working, so you owe me something. And when we operate in that, we treat God like a genie in a bottle, and we think that he has to be on demand and that he has to do what we have to do because we are good. And that is works-based theology, and we can never be in his will working in works. Instead, we talked about this Thursday, we have to understand that our faith should drive our works not our works drive our faith. And so for each and every one of us, I want us to see as we are going in through this to do his good purpose, maybe, just maybe, we gotta be reminded again what his purpose is. To reveal his glory. You and I weren't made so that our name is up here on the screen, so that our name and our greatness gets to the ends of the earth. I know that that's the American dream we're sold. I'm not against success. I'm not against being being good at what you do. God calls us to do that. But we are not made so that our name gets the fame. From the foundations of the earth in the Garden of Eden, God made us for what? His glory. And that's a tough pill to swallow. Right? Because we want it to be about us. His glory? Yes. When we look at the cross, the cross is the picture of our salvation. We said it last week, but it's a picture of the character of God. It is the pinnacle moment where the glory of God is fully revealed to the ends of the earth that we can be in right relationship with him, that we don't have to earn it. We don't have to try to save ourselves anymore. We don't have to try to fulfill these laws anymore. Like Instead, we understand their guardrails. So for each and every one of us, I want us to know that, hey, to fulfill his good purpose, to work in his will and do his work, it's all about his glory. What I love about our Vine fam is that's why we do what we do. It's not about (coughs) our name getting to the ends of the earth. We're not out here. When we share with you what we've been able to give, it's not to toot our horn. It's to say, hey, we trust God with what we've given more than we could do and steward it ourselves. It's for his glory. So wherever you are right now, I want you to see verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose And now here comes the do everything we're going to talk about today in verse 14. Hang in here with me. Verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do what? Here, help me out here. Do what? Everything. Everything. (laughs) 
without grumbling or arguing. So I'm just going to put my cards on the table. If there was one requirement for me to get into heaven, I don't care if you had one million iterations of me, 17 different versions, 18 different updates, if there were 18,000 dimensions of me and I only had to do that one thing to get into heaven, I'd never get in. I'm gonna be really, I would never get in. I know I wouldn't. Like, let's just be honest with we are called to do in Christ when we're in his will and doing his work. We do everything, everything without grumbling or complaining. Everything. In this world we live in, this thing called Twitter that I said needs to be renamed outrage, uh, wherever we are, this world we live in, imagine a world without grumbling or complaining. Well, you see, we're, we're inclined to do that. As Paul is writing this, he's actually moving back and hearkening back to Israel being set free from Egyptian slavery. If you don't know the story, you're just kicking the tires of who Jesus is. Really quick, what ends up happening is uh, the nation of Israel is in slavery in Egypt. And God sends this, he he picks this man named Moses. He's a leader and he's going to point them to God. And he's going to lead them into the land that God promised their ancestors. So they get through Egyptian uh, slavery, um, an Egyptian slavery. They come upon the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. They walk across it. Moses is leading them into God's promise. And right when the sea closes up, the Israelites start with their grumbling and complaining. The first thing they say is like, yo, Moses, like, this is cool. This is cool. Like, this is awesome. We just saw, like, it was really cool what you did with the water kind of thing. But here's the thing. Like, we need some bread. And uh, Egypt's got bread. So we're just going to go back into slavery because they got some bread. And so Moses goes to God, and God gives them bread every morning. Not just bread, like Krispy Kreme donut bread every morning. Like, it is sweet bread. It is good bread. They get bread every morning. So it's like you would think they're grumbling, complaining would end, right? Oh, but no, it doesn't. All of a sudden, they're like, dude, this bread's getting old. I'm tired of Krispy Kreme every day. You know what? Egypt had some meat. We need some meat. So we're going to go back into Egyptian slavery, try to go back over that Red Sea, because at least they had some meat for us to eat. So God provides quail. He provides bird for them. They get meat to eat. Then all of a sudden, all the way through, they come upon the promised land, the place that God calls them to, and they start saying, those people are just too big. There's no way that we can... We can go into that thing. They're going to defeat us. And what ends up happening when we say do everything without grumbling and complaining, I'll be honest with you, what ends up happening is many of us can be like Israel wandering in the desert for 40 years. Because of their grumbling and complaining, they got a glimpse of God's promise, but they stepped outside of his will, and they wandered and missed out on it and hoped that the generation behind them got to go in it. So maybe what we have to do right now is understand to fulfill God's good purpose for our life we got to stop grumbling and complaining and I'm just as guilty as all of us and this is something Jesus has been convicting me of and this is how he's convicted me of it is this maybe it's not grumbling and complaining you struggle with because this will be something for us I want you to imagine a world where you never had to be right again you never had to be on the right side of the argument. You never had to win every argument. As a matter of fact, you didn't even have to worry about whether the choice you made right now was the right one. Imagine that world. You see, in Jesus, that's what he died to give you. It's not about being right. 
See, we argue and complain because we want to be right. We want to be right. We want to take our stand, draw the line, and this is the right answer. And, and I don't care what you say because you don't agree with me. You're wrong. I just want to be right. And Jesus comes to say, none of us can be right. He's the only one that is right. And instead of us grumbling and complaining, trying to be right, settling a score, Jesus says, hey, look at the scoreboard because the cross is up there. I've already won. It is finished. And I want you to know that no matter what you're doing, no matter where you're going through, the story is going to end and you know the ending. So instead of worrying about being right and arguing, complaining, what if you just stepped across the line and did right and served and loved and said, hey, I don't have to agree with you for you to sit at my table. I don't care. Serve. So maybe, just maybe, if we would do that, we could experience more joy in this life. So Philippians 2, 13 and 14, we got a little pounding there. It's hanging in there with me. We're all good. I'm guilty. As, we're all guilty. We all screw up on this. Don't grumble and complain. We just said it. We can't do it, right? And I'm going to be done by lunch. So don't get excited and grumble and complain about the line. So let's just keep rolling with it. So what did Jesus say we have to do? So to fulfill his good purpose, we've got to be in his will to do his good work, okay? How do we really do that? Without grumbling or complaining. The best way to not be grumbling and complaining is say, I have to be right all the time. What kind of weight is that, by the way? Holy cannoli. Imagine having to carry the weight of having to be right all the time. I don't know about you, but it's freeing to be in Jesus and not have to be right all the time, isn't it? Like, I don't have to be right. Because you know why I don't have to be right? I don't, I don't know what tomorrow holds. Eh, I don't know what tomorrow holds. So why do I got to be right about it? Well, history will record. Great. I don't, so I'm glad that history will record. Jesus has already gone before me in it. So how do we do this? What did Jesus do? What's the posture he took on how we do that? Go to Mark 10 for me if you got your Bible. I want to share this quick story with you, and then we'll go about our day-to-day, and we talk about how we do everything. So Mark 10, verse 45, is the posture that Jesus takes when he says, this is really how you do everything without grumbling or complaining. And it says this, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. See, this is an important thing. So you say, you just pick, you know me, I don't like just to pick a verse out. We got to talk about what's happening around it. If you, if you really want to know the story of what's happening around this is in, in Mark 10, verse 30, I think it's verse 35 here through, through 38 as we're leading up to verse 45, what ends up happening is these two guys named James and John come to Jesus. They're, they're called the sons of thunder, man. Like They're just like, ooh, they're excited. They're good. They come to Jesus. And if you really look, what it says is they say, to, they, they say in the verse 35, it's not going to be on screen. I'm just going to read it really quick. Teacher, they said, we want to ask you to do whatever we ask. And look at the posture of Jesus before he says he comes to serve. Verse 36 says, what do you want me to do for you? What if you could trust that you know if you go before Jesus and said, hey, anything I ask you, you will do. He says if we ask in his name, he'll do, right? What if, we, what if we had to do that and not had to worry about being right, but we could trust that? Like, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, James and John do something that's, that's we, we don't, people, people nowadays don't do that at all. We just, you're just going to be set free from it because you ain't, what they ask for, nobody else here asked for, okay? They just said, uh, when you go into your kingdom, we want to sit on your right and left. 
Now, I said nobody asked for that because, see, they were asking not for the glory of God to be revealed. They were asking for power. They were asking, hey, can we sit in a position of authority? Can we be the ones that are sitting there? We want to have the, we want to knight thee. Like, we want to be the ones that go around and be able to, to tell people yes and no. And that leads Jesus to say, hey, even in the Gentiles, do you understand that people that love power just want to lord power over them? But even me as your Lord and Savior didn't come to lord power over you. Instead, I came to serve. And anyone who is mine will serve. You see, the story goes on after that. Because if you go to verse 46, there's another person that comes in. And they're blind. Blind Bartimaeus. You see verse 51, if you've got your Bible, it's not going to be on screen, but Jesus asked that same familiar question. What do you want me to do for you? He asked blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And we know what blind Bartimaeus is going to ask for is his sight. And so Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. This is what I'm getting at. Jesus is asking, what do you want me to do for you? The only one they got to experience it is the one who had a little bit of faith. It's a little bit of faith. Not the one who sought power just so they could be right. The one who had faith. And that faith led to work. That faith led to, to work. Now, how big was Barimus' faith? See, we over-spiritualize things a lot. You don't need a lot of faith to be saved. You need enough as big as a mustard seed. Just a little bit of faith will save you. Just a little bit. And the thing is, there's a world out here right now that we're reaching, and, and I don't like saying we go into two camps, so hear me out. I just talked about divisions, but really this is the world we live in. Many are going for power, like James and John. But if we're completely honest, the world without Jesus is a bunch of blind people who are asking, can they truly see what truth is? And they just need faith. And what we get to do as the people of God is share that. And so when we're doing God's good work, are we trying to be on Jesus' right and left and get all the power and glory and have the jets and be like Ric Flair having the jet flying, key stealing, wheeling, dealing? Like are we trying to do all this, selling books and, and all this crazy stuff and trying to have power and our name be there? Are we trying to give God the glory and reveal him to the world so that their eyes can be opened and their faith can allow them to see? That's what we have to understand when it comes to do everything. So maybe that's not the camp you're in today. That's something simple for us today. Maybe, maybe you're following Jesus. You know how to follow Jesus. It's, you, you've been following Jesus for a while. You said, well, uh, a minute ago you talked about the will of God and the work of God and how that played out and, and what that means for my life. So let me ask you this then. Maybe you're asking, what is the will of God? What is the will of God then? So what is the will of God? So you talk about the work of God, so what is the will of God? And R.C. Sproul talks about it this way. He divides the will of God in three ways, so this is where I got this. I'm not smart enough to do it. I like to read, <laughs> I like to read uh, studies and commentaries, and, and, and this is how he divides the will of God out. Now, the example uh, is a spirit-driven thing, so I, it'll make sense to you here in a second, but what is the will of God for my life? Well, obviously, it's to reveal his glory, but what does that look like in my life? Because many of us right now would say, hey, in the season we're in, what in the world's going on? What's the will of God? So the first thing God does when it comes to his will is he has his will of decree. His will of decree. Now this is the word of God. It will not fail. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void and formless. His spirit hovered over the waters. 
And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And he separated the light from the darkness, and he made the, first, he made the light day and the darkness night, and that was the first day, or the light morning and the darkness night. So in other words, this is God's decree. It won't be thwarted. It is the word of God. Once it goes out, it cannot change. No matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, the will of God, that is his will of decree, I cannot stop. Now this is why this is important for us when it comes to God's will of decree. Jesus shares in Matthew 10, verse 29, about um, even a sparrow will not fall without it first passing through the Father's hands. And this is why I'm sharing this today. In this season we're in, many of us have had a sparrow fall. I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for our Vine fam. Hey, I'll just be real with you. Uh, November 12th, 2020, my mother passed, so my sparrow fell. The thing is, the thing is, it didn't surprise God. He knew it was going to happen. He knew that that sparrow would fall. His word, it, it was already there. I mean, it was his word. That was, that was, that was it. That was the time she was coming home. That, no matter how hard I could try to change it, no matter how hard I could fight it, that was his will of decree, the sparrow fell. And that's where many of us right now are in this season. Some sparrows have fallen. Maybe it's a loved one, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a finance but the thing is, I wonder, are we fighting God in his will of decree? Or are we understanding that he is over it all? You see, when we understand that he's over it all in his will of decree and his word will not fail, his, his decree, it, it won't change, then all of a sudden, I will tell you, through every moment in my life, let's just use death for an example and grief, that every sparrow has fallen in my life. The crazy thing is, it's made me have to trust him more lean into him more. And I can tell you, I love Jesus more through every one of those sparrows falling than I did the time before. And you know what the world needs to hear? Is that even when the sparrow falls, the father cares. And I wonder right now if we trust that. You see, I, here's where we go. We get this stuff. This bad boy right here. We know about when it comes to this. This is it. Who owns the remote in your house? The dog, you're correct, because they chewed it. But who owns the remote in your house normally? So this little remote control is important for us because when I look at the will of decree, when I look at God's will of decree, and I look at that, there's all kinds of options on this thing. But when I look at this thing and I look at the remote, when we think about God's will of decree, I want you to know his word will not fail. It's that good old power button. You see... If I don't hit the power button, it don't matter how many times I try to change the channel, does it? It don't matter. Well, let's be real for a minute. Just I'm going to take a quick side note. Just going to be real. Can we even fathom that a generation ago our parents were the remote control? I just want to be real with you. They were. Like that was it. There were three channels and they had to go and get the rabbit ears and you know they were dancing with a tin foil on there. But now we have all these channels. But I'm getting that to say how good God is that we have a million channels that we watch none of it on and we watch uh, Netflix or on demand with. But anyway, when it comes to the remote and you think about God's will for your life, he is the one that turns the power on and off. Like God said, let there be light. He created the world. Boom, power was on. In the end, God says he will destroy the earth and create a new heaven and earth. Boom, he hits the power button. God's will of decree. He is on the power. So you can change the volume. You try to change the input. 
You can try to do everything, but if you haven't first started with that power button, it's not going to matter. That's God's word. The second thing God does in his will is he has his will of decree, but then there's this thing called God's will of desire. Now, here's the thing. God's will of decree will not be thwarted. No man can put asunder God's will of decree, okay? But God's will of desire is often thwarted. And this is something that we have to understand is God desires that all men be saved. But does it mean all will be saved? No. You see, when we understand the difference between his decree and his desire, then we can understand how to do his good work. So in other words, God desires us to love our neighbor as ourself. Love him with all our heart, mind, and soul. Does it mean that everyone will do that? No. God desired for us to be in a right relationship with him from the foundations on the earth. When he created us the sixth day and all of a sudden in the garden sin entered in, God desired to be in a right relationship with us and we turned our back on him. And yet still because of that desire, he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to live the life we couldn't live, die the death we deserve on the cross, paying that penalty for the sin, and rose again on the third day so that we could live life to the full because the same spirit inside of him that rose him from the grave is the one that now lives inside of us. God's desire is to be in a relationship with us. Yet, we don't have to follow his desire. It can be thwarted. You see, this is something that we have to understand so many times when it comes to desire is we can get stuck on that. So when I look at our little remote control here that is life, God has this power button and his word's not going to fail. If I hit the power button, it's going to turn off. I took the batteries out of this thing, right? Okay, yeah, we're good. I'll just make sure if you got turned off a second ago, that would have been bad. So the power button, God's power over our life, the decree over our life is his word, but his desire that's the volume button. See, we gotta, we gotta really chase his heart and hear him to know his desire. We gotta know that wherever he's, he's calling us to and whatever he's doing, the volume button on the remote, what are we giving volume to our life? Who are we giving the volume of our life? Are we, are we, are we letting a, a social media page, a, a trending page, a, a news outlet, a career that's not going to be there, a car that's not going to be there. What are we giving volume to in our life? If we want to know God's desire, his will of desire, we'll turn the volume up on what he wants for us. Which leads us to the last one that we could spend forever on because we'll spend our whole life on this one. God's will of direction. God's will of direction. Man, this is the one we'll spend forever on. And if you don't believe me, it's what our prayers are dominated by. God, who would you have me marry? Who would you have me, where would you have me work? What would you have me name this child? Uh, should I get, uh, God, would you let this be zero calorie? Like God's will of direction, we'll spend forever on trying to figure out where God calls us to. And I just wanna tell you what he's been teaching me and you can condemn me after if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm telling you this is what he's been convicting me of and I'll just be real with you. When it comes to God's will of direction, I just wanna be real with you. And, and maybe he did, this may not be your experience. God's not gonna give you the name of the person to marry. He's not, 
But I married Tanya, and I, but God said Tanya. I'm sorry. See, like you'd be screwed. If the name was wrong, you'd be done. You just messed up one letter. God's not going to tell you the person to marry. He's not going to tell you the job to take. He's not going to tell you the career to pursue. He says, pursue it with all your heart. As a matter of fact, if you're going to get married, your spouse loved them as I loved the church and gave my life up for it and served them to lift them up. For the job that you work, work as unto the Lord, not unto man. Give it with all, do all that you are, desire, going after his desire, but do it all in his direction and his direction is the desire to go after him his heart give it with all your heart give all you are to him do it all with him so for each and every one of us when it comes to direction we kind of we kind of need to meet in the middle because some of us i'll be quite honest when it comes to the direction of god man we over spiritualize everything man we 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 get up every morning and what will happen is we'll put three k-cups out on the counter we'll get down on our knees and one's probably pumpkin spice because it's way too early and then the other's another, another like normal, normal coffee. And then you have my favorite, with his, which is Death Wish coffee. And we're going to talk about this. So if you get there and you're praying to God and you're just like, God, which K-cup should I have today? Where should I go? And you hear, Death Wish. And like if you hear God say Death Wish, we need to talk after the service anyway because there may be something else going on. But you over-spiritualize everything. You're like, maybe, who's the name of the person I'm going to marry? And you're hoping your Wheaties spell it out and you forget there's no letters in Wheaties. Like you over-hype and over-spiritualize everything. And so because of that, you are stuck and you never go the direction God wants you to. And then others of us are on the other end. We don't, we don't pray about nothing. We just go do and expect God to bless. We're just like, hey, well... Jesus, I'm just going to give this person money and then they be, you better bless it. Or Jesus, I'm just going to go do, I'm going to, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to eat at the beacon seven days a week and I just expect you to make me lose weight. You're just going to bless it. You're just going to bless it. Like it's just something you got to do. We, we, don't, we don't look for God's direction in anything. And so the balance that we have to go with when it comes to this so many times for each and every one of us when it comes to that is where are we at in seeking God's direction? And the direction is doing it all unto him and seeking his kingdom first for it all to come into place. See, when that comes to the remote, this is the easy one. That's the channel button. Don't lie, all of us are going to go home today, and about 4 o'clock, man, there's nothing on TV. The race is on. You, there'll be someone too. But there's nothing on TV. Like, I pay for all these channels, and there's nothing on it. When it comes to the direction of God, you see, we've gotten so used to trying to change the channel that when we go to this over-spiritualization or under-spiritualization, we try to treat God as an on-demand God. And he's so much more than that. On-demand for us, not on-demand for his word. On-demand to change the channel for us. On-demand because we recorded our little shows so we could watch them all at once. Instead of, like, there is no, like, cliffhangers to the next seasons anymore, right? Because you got to watch all 12 at once now. Like, all of these things that are going, like, it's the channel of the remote. And my friends, wherever you are and whatever you're walking through, if you're seeking his will today, can you understand the difference between his decree, which is his word that he has sent out and will go forth? It will not be thwarted. Are you going after the desires of his heart and doing everything in that? Because if you are, you will do it without grumbling or complaining. And because of that, you will go in the right direction. In other words, when it comes to your remote control, give God the power of your life. Make sure he's the loudest thing in your life and he'll show you the right channel to be on and the right place that you need to be. So who has this remote in your life? If this is your life, where is it? Because see, here's the cool thing. I asked a second ago, 
The problem with many of us is we keep trying to go about our life. There ain't no batteries. We're trying to power it ourselves. You see, it takes something outside of us to give power to this. It takes something bigger than us to source it. I mean, you might be able to power it for a minute. You might be able to hook it up to a car battery or <laughs> figure something out or, or jimmy something up to make this work, but it's not going to last. You see, when God's our power source, then what he speaks over our life will be loudest in our life, and, and it will be the thing that we will show the world in the right channel so that they're tuned into him, not what we want them to be tuned into about us. So the question is for all of us, is the grumbling and complaining putting us on the right channel? Is that the loudest thing that matters in the end when we stand before Jesus and we, we go and we tell him who he is to us? What are we gonna say was the thing that was loudest about our life? What's gonna echo through the ages in us? What channel are we gonna be remembered on? And it'll all determine on who we gave power to. So wherever you are today, I just want to say maybe the power thing and the batteries isn't something. So I just want to ask you, maybe you're treating God like the cat or the dog. How many cat people do we have here today? Amen. If, you're, if you were online and you raised your hand, you just made the prayer list. Praise God. So cat people, we got cat people. So let me tell you about the cat. I've shared this before and it's funny to me, so I'm sorry. It's a pastor thing, but it's funny. So a cat says this, okay? Here's how a cat goes about life. And don't lie to me, you know, don't even lie right now. A cat is this, I'm fed, they take care of me, they change my litter box, therefore I am God. And if you don't believe it, your cat chooses you, nothing wrong with cat. Hey, seriously, I know I say that, nothing wrong with cats, but that's it. Like, the cat thinks it's God. Now, a dog is different. A dog says they feed me, they pet me, they take care of me. They do this weird thing and pick up poop behind me. I don't know if they're keeping it as souvenirs. I don't know what it is, but they do that. And a dog will say, therefore, I must live with God. Now, let me ask you, which one serves you? Which one's waiting at the door a lot of time? Not the cat's don't, but which one serves you, a cat or a dog? The dog will always be there. Now, I know that's crazy. Nothing wrong with the cat. Like a cat, when you get home, they're just licking their paws about, you're 30 minutes late. My bowl's been empty for a minute. Let's go, man. Like, what's going on? By the way, I scratched the post on your furniture. That dumb dog chewed your shoe over there. Like, you know, like it is what it is. Like, it is where they are. But really, the reason I'm sharing that with you is this. We are naturally wired to be the cat when it comes to following Jesus and, and, and going around. And we think we are God of our life. And we think we got nine lives and we think we can just keep going and keep going and eventually we'll end up realizing that the world doesn't revolve around us. But you see, those of us who understand that there is something greater than us, that opining that we have, that something outside of us, that there's something bigger, we're like, the, we're like the dog to understand that we were made to serve. And, and, and people say, well, you don't want to be a dog, do you? No, no, no. What's, what's the disadvantage of being a dog? Let's be real. It's, it's good times. Like... To serve, let me ask you something. Which one brings you the most, what, what brings you the most joy? Serving others. Anytime I've been with any, it's serving. Like, it's not about me. Like, if I can serve you, I can't even tell you the joy it brings to my life. Don't mean it's easy. But I can't tell you. Like, if you want to see the difference, you could feed your dog once in the past two weeks. 
and they're still going to be waiting out the door for you when you get home. That's it. They're so excited to see, what if we went to Jesus that way? What if that is how we had our life? That excited that the very creator of the universe wants to be in a right relationship with us. So my question is, are you living like the cat or the dog? How long will you try to carry the weight of being right in your life? Or you, will you let the weight that is the glory of God be revealed in you? Because you will never have to worry about being right again. doesn't mean you're going to make the right decision every time. It, doesn't, it means that instead of worrying about being right, you just pursue him with all you are, and it will lead you to what is right. You see, some of us right now, we're so worried about being right that we're paralyzed and Jesus says there's a better way. So right now, maybe you're realizing you're trying to power your life and you were never meant to do it. Romans 10, 9 and 10 reminds us how in the world we can trust Jesus as our Savior and give up that weight and give up trying to power our life and give up trying to save ourselves. And it's simply this. It's not something we have to work to get. It's not something we have to earn. It's not a program that has steps. It is just simply faith. And it says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. In other words, simply saying, Lord, I know that I cannot power my life, but I give you the batteries to the remote of my life. So right now, I want you to know wherever you are, the reason we do what we do each and every week is so that we could give God the glory and, 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 and show that when we give him power of our life, man, we no longer have to worry about trying to save ourselves. We no longer have to walk in the guilt and shame and, and, and the, the beat-upness of what sin will bring, we just get to walk in freedom, being exactly who he created us to be. So with every head bow and every eye closed, I just want to say we pray out loud as a family for the benefit of those who are coming to faith for the first time. I just want to ask, have you ever trusted Jesus as your Savior? Have you ever considered Jesus? Because right now in the climate that we live in, I mean, and, and I shared just a little bit about me, but many of us are in a space and a place where sparrows have fallen and we have, we, we're missing loved ones. We're missing, we're missing uh, jobs. Maybe we're missing careers. Maybe we're missing school years. Maybe we're missing, missing uh, finances. We're, we're in this season where the world will tell us everything we need to save us. And I just want to say that none of that will matter. Only the cross can save. Only Jesus and him crucified can save. And would you consider that maybe, just maybe, there is something outside of you that wants something more from you? And so with every head bow and every eye closed, please repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life. I couldn't live, die the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sins on the cross, but love me enough not to stay dead. <clears throat> Excuse me. But rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you. 
step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how with every head bow and every eye closed if you have you can say today that you have given your life to Christ I'm going to count the three and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand boldly and nobody's looking around it's just I just want you to boldly raise your hand to say yes Jesus I have surrendered fully to you on the count of three one two three. if you're in the house and you have done that would you raise your hand today if that's you you could say that you have given your life and surrendered your life to Jesus if, if if you're watching online you can put your hand down if you're watching online you can you can click on a hand if you're listening throughout the week we want to celebrate this decision with you we want to walk with you through this season please let us know at prayer at divine.tv or or reach out to us in our app or or at 864-580-6698 we want to celebrate this decision with you for the rest of us you can look up now for the rest of us i just want to say we're about to sing in a familiar hymn an amazing hymn with a little bit of a twist but it's really what we need to have in our life and it's this more than ever this world is turning its volume up okay it is up i feel like we're in a constant like wrestlemania promo i know that that sounds crazy and i'm giving away who i am like i know i i may or may not have some some of that that southern goodness in me with wrestling but it feels like a constant promo with the volume screaming but in the end when we turn our eyes to jesus he's the loudest thing in the room so would you stand and let's turn our eyes to jesus in this moment
Thank y'all so much for spending time and hanging out with us. It is an honor and a privilege to get to spend this time with you. We can't wait to gather back together with you next week for sweet treats, for fellowship, for fun. But more importantly, we just want to say we just love going to the throne room of grace, going to the presence of Jesus every week and laying the weight of ourself down because he bore it for us. So I just want to say we want to see you next week. We can't wait to see you next week. We hope you have an awesome week. And always remember, the best is still yet to come.